Welcome to this week's episode of Being Human. I'm here with Karen Tanelius. Uh, she was the co-author of the book Moose Heads on the Table uh, with Lisa Gill, who's a previous guest on the podcast. I'm delighted I now have completing the set of authors from that book uh, with Karen here today. Uh, Karen's also an, an entrepreneur and a leadership uh, trainer, developer. Uh, Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. And, and I think the other bit of context for people is uh, this, this book, Moose, Moose Heads on the Table, the subtitle is stories about self-managing organizations from Sweden. And you're probably one of the world's leading advocates, perhaps for, for self-managing organizations. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, it's great for us to be able to dive into it, not just from the perspective of someone who's written the theory of it, but who has very much got your hands dirty on several occasions with putting these principles into practice with different organizations and leading those organizations so you know that the wealth of experience you've got with uh, the rubber hitting the road with these ideas i think is going to be of great uh, interest to our listeners today <laughs> so i wonder if we should just start by giving people a bit of background where did you first get turned on to these ideas like w w what was your incubation into this uh, mindset and way of doing things yeah, um, it was very early and it was like yeah, several inspirations. But the first one was that I studied marketing when I was young and uh, especially marketing of services. I was in the hotel industry and in all the service management books that we read at school, uh, they said that uh, to, get, uh, to give the authority to people who were providing services, was um, was key to create engagement and and that would affect the service quality uh, very much. And uh, I believed those theories and thought they were happening out there in the working life, which proved uh, they would, didn't. So uh, I was a bit shocked when I saw the gap between what was in the books and what was happening uh, in uh, service companies. So that was one insight, and uh, I had a, had a luck to meet with some really good people early in my career who shared those thoughts, and we did some groundbreaking work in in big organizations, which I thought was you know common and normal because I was so young and unexperienced. But in the in the rear mirror, I I really got that. It was so, I was so lucky to meet those people, uh, sort of. The other thing that happened was that I read Ricardo Semler's book, like a lot of oh. people did. <laughs> the initiation and, for so many of us, right? Yes. Yeah. And so Elaborate. that was very, very long ago that I, I mean, read it. And reading that book, I, I, I could never, you know, those thoughts were so impactful and, and strong that I carried them with me for many, many years. And I ended up as, I mean, I was a marketing director in a big company. And then I got this allergy to hierarchies very early when I was like 29, long ago. Uh, so I quit that and became a freelance consultant. And uh, one day I got the opportunity to try out Ricardo's IDs uh, in a small hotel 99, 1999. So that was, I mean, that was long ago. And uh, so that was the start of it, really. Right. And and just for our listeners, if people are not familiar with that book, then what just just lay out some of the principles you took from Ricardo Semler's book and started applying in that hotel. Yeah, the book is the story about how he transformed uh, an, a company in he inherited from his father. Uh, and it's so detailed with scenes, you know, uh, with people that have names, managers that, so it's like you can really picture what happened. And that's so different from management books with models and theory, which I can't grasp anyway. Uh, I'm not that kind of person. No, I'm not like an academic person, but, uh, his ideas I really got and, uh, and then got the opportunity to try them out. So it was so it was so um, um, clear what 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 was what was happening there, and that made it uh, understandable. And uh, and then I just continued to to try out what what he had done, really. Right. And so, can you in the same vein then? Can you introduce us to a few characters from that 
hotel, casting your mind back and some of the some of the scenes that you I suppose you you created in, in that. Yeah, sure. It was long ago and I've done so many things since then. But but uh, it was a, a small hotel and uh, it was run by the CEO, who was a very powerful woman. So it was about four, 14 or 15 people there, mostly women, as it is in the hotel industry. And it was not, it was, there were no problems in that hotel. It was flourishing and uh, it was, you know, a good, uh, good atmosphere and everybody appreciated their manager and everything. So it was nothing wrong. And I was hired to do some traditional service training uh, a Sunday, uh, which you do in hotel business because there are no guests on Sundays <laughs> in business hotels. Uh, and, uh, I started to talk about Ricardo Sambler and uh, the manager there, she was so inspired by that. So she, she read the book and she said, we should do this. And uh, that, that was the start of it. So she and me, we just experimented with giving the authority to the group. Um, yeah. And um, they were, what, what, what was happening first was that they didn't really believe it because they were so, um, they were so uh, used to that Annika uh, was really full of ideas, very competent, a driving force, really, you know, a competent woman. Uh, so they were so unused to sort of not just doing her ideas. So they were sort of waiting and can this be true that we can be in charge here? Uh, so it was a, a time of hesitancy before they stepped in and took on the the authority. Right. The, the image that comes to mind is, I don't know if you've ever seen those videos online where they, they let cows out of um, warehouses for the first time where they throw open the doors of the warehouse, like these cows have been kept in, and the cow's like, yeah, yeah doesn't know this? if we should really yeah. leave. And like, what's the, yeah. 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 I mean, okay. And so what were the sort of the things that, I guess you're talking about people who had roles as maybe chambermaids or they were behind the bar or exactly. maybe they were administrators. Like what, what were some of the things that changed for them? That, yeah. So, so um, the first thing that they did was to sort of invent titles uh, and they, they invented titles like creativity managers. So everyone was managers and they have those titles uh, to, to sort of, to, to state that they were in charge. Um, there were some challenges also because uh, there were some characters there that were really responsible, like big sisters, and they stepped in and, and people got annoyed by that because, oh, we shouldn't have managers, and now you're managers. So there were processes. And uh, and uh, the, the main challenge was also, uh, was also to be really straight and uh, honest with each other. The, it was a good atmosphere, but that could be even more straightforward and honest communication. So that's why what, uh, what was the biggest challenge. And I didn't expect so much financial, financial results out of this. Um, we did it out of you know, curiosity and experimental, you know, spirit. And, uh, and there was no big problems. But after six months, the, the profit increased, uh, I think something with like 20% or something. Um, and I could see that that was the source of this mental ownership that occurred that emerged. Um, yeah. yeah. And I was just, that's interesting because I was just telling you before we came on that my last guest was Jost de Bloch and uh, of the Birdsalk Nursing Organization in Holland, which again, famously has employed uh, self-organizing principles and exactly the same thing. Very quickly was finding that they were doing the same work as other traditional nursing organizations at a fraction of the cost. Yeah. Um, and for them, the revenue went up. So, you know, so, but so a, a big increase in, in profit, um, almost immediately. Yeah. Yes. And uh, yeah, so there are like two sources of of money and efficiency. Uh, that's engagement and responsibility, accountability. And I can't find any other way to to release that than giving away the authority. And what was clear for me in that first case was the difference 
between giving away all authority, 100%, or doing it like 50% or, or halfway, because you don't get that effect if you don't do 100% give uh, away the authority, because then it's just pretending. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that before in organizations where maybe you try and increase an approval limit a bit and maybe you get something, but you just don't care. No, and yeah. that's the you source of... You don't get of... the, the type, the, this extraordinary transformations that you're discussing. Exactly, and the extraordinary results. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, fascinating. So you you went the the whole hog. And that, that's something interesting you said there because that's not... <laughs> people don't tend to th- talk in terms of accountability and engagement when they're talking about profit, you know, they'll talk about product market fit and they'll talk about competitive advantage. It's, it's about, they talk about you know, goals also tar- yeah. targets and goals and all sorts of things, but never about the real source. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's engagement and accountability. So maybe that just as well on those themes for a little bit. So what were the ways in which you managed doing, you know, increase engagement? Uh, well, I suppose we've talked about accountability, but. Yeah, so the only thing, the only way I know about to, to create engagement is to give away the authority. And that's not, not new, you know. Uh, if you see a traditional team building exercises, people go away in the woods and they should, you know, build a house or, or, or like something together. And they give, they have this task together. And, and the whole notion of that, the whole point of that is to, to collaborate and to, to engage and take responsibility for the task together. So that, that's not new, but you don't have to go into the woods. It's just to give away the company, you know, which they're in. That's the, that's yeah. the thing. God, that's a stunning insight. I'd never considered that before. <laughs> yeah. We, we take people away on these retreats. We give them these fun tasks. That they get completely engaged in a creative process. They got full accountability. Yeah. And, and they get back to the office on Monday. And... Exactly. <laughs> totally different. It's, it's just pretense. That's funny. And, and superficial, uh, yeah, things. Instead of giving the same, the, the, the task at home. Yeah. At work. And even on a, on a, it's interesting because my work as a kind of, as a coach and a consultant is, some of that happens on a in a different way. We don't necessarily take people out to the woods, but even if you do a sort of workshop style meeting where you're getting people up, you're giving them engagement, you're giving yeah. everyone a voice, yeah. and we, you know that they're, they're putting post its on that their work is made. You, you create an environment where they're empowered and, and they have autonomy, and, and they give they sort of give an ownership of a creative process. Yeah, you come out with a load of results in terms of actions we must do. But you're slamming straight back into it. Exactly. Yeah. And people almost get frustrated with having gone through the workshop because they're like, ah, oh. it's almost yeah. like they felt they've been led a merry dance up the hill and now it's back to reality. Exactly. And that's the magic of it because that's exactly what you do, but you do it every, every day. And then right. there is a honeymoon when there's a, wow, we can, you know, we are in charge. And then it comes the time after the honeymoon when it's like, oh my God, I hate these people, you know. <laughs> Because collaboration is so hard. And that's my, I mean, the second or the other found finding I realized very early was that the working climate or the like, uh, you know, the atmosphere, the communication level has to be much at a higher, much higher level than in ordinary workplaces because it's required to, to be in charge together and collaborate on those, you know, um, yeah. For when you're collaborating in a real, in, in a real way, then you have to co- be, be so much more honest. You have to sort of, um, yeah, be with each other, dif- uh, differences and, uh, sort out conflicts and all that stuff. So after this first case, I immediately looked at how is the, to the working climate, as I call it in this how is the communication and that was key to sort of increase that or shift climates and i learned how to shift climates which we do today in tough leadership training we go to any group that have toxic or really not nice working climate and can shift we can shift that because i just tried 
to do that because I thought it was so important. Yeah. And is it through the same mechanism? Each time? It, it, is it always about that shifting climate? It's about giving full autonomy, like full authority, giving it all away. Is that like the premise of it every time? Yeah. So, so I would say there are three things. It's the, the all, all of the authority, if you want the effects, you know, of course you can do it halfway, but don't expect the effects then. Uh, it's the working climate that needs to be uh, in shape with openness, acceptance, uh, straightforward communication, honesty, humanity, really. We are humans and, and we pretend we're not sometimes in workplaces where, where we're so professional and so, you know, uh, not ourselves. Uh, and the third thing is if managers in, is in the picture, and this I learned so many hard lessons they need to shift completely in their way of leading. And if I can decide, which I could when I started to buy companies together with my colleagues, uh, I would recommend to take away managers because they have such a hard time to, to change. Because managers are trained in being knowledgeable and driving, uh, and that's their skills, and that's great skills. But it's so much in the way to to empower a team. Right, right. And and why is it in the way? Like, yeah, just... Oh, just this, uh, in that role, in that traditional role of, of being knowledgeable and uh, know a lot of things and being a driving force <laughs> or being driven, uh, that's a lot of sending, talking, talking, talking. So that's what manages that do you know and it's nothing wrong with them they've been trained like that and it's expected from them so and they have such a hard time to stop doing that and start to listening so they are really not good at listening and that's because they never trained that and uh, and it takes so much to shift so sometimes it takes too long or it's even impossible so it's better to give them other roles as experts or something right, or engines right. sort of. Or And is, Karen, is there anything in your own experience that you had to kind of let go of in your own style as part of this? I mean, do you of course, that? yeah. I mean, I wasn't born a listener for, no, not at all. I was an entrepreneur. I was like driving my way or the highway. I didn't listen to people. I finished their sentences, in fact. <laughs> Uh, so I had some hardcore coaching in, you know, learning how to listen. So, so, uh, and also to step back. And what was working for me, my blessing is that I'm lazy. <laughs> so laziness is a very good thing to have because that's why who can do this, you know, who can do this and uh, not having to be do everything yourself right right it's a remind i think bill gates i heard him once say you know lazy staff are the best staff because they'll always work out the simplest way to get something done yes yes and i remember one other uh manager who was very good at this his blessing was uh he thought he was competent so i can't do it who can do it you know uh, so that's oh, okay. another blessing <laughs> have an experience of being incompetent yourself yeah very helpful. Yeah, learning how to listen. I mean, you major on that in the book, right? That, that's such a yeah important important skill. It is, and it starts with confronting how little you listen. Yeah, yeah. And and it was through you said hardcore coaching. So how did that work? Like, how did that coach work with you? I'm just just interested a little bit in the process there. Yeah, but uh, I, th- I think it's hard to, to change uh, without feedback on you, how you occur, because we are blind to ourselves. Yeah. Uh, so for my part, for the first uh, time was at the marketing school, actually. The marketing school arranged some group uh, exercises with a psychologist um, and uh, it it went for a weekend actually, and it was a lot of teamwork. And of course, being me and twenty eight, I think I was or something like that, I talked all the time. I was like so driving and so engaged, and 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 so on. 
And in the in this in the last session there, uh, I got this secret um, note uh, with an instruction. In this last uh, exercise now, you should be low key. You should not say anything and uh, be really passive. And uh, I was that, uh, followed the instructions. And the other, the team was so confused because I was totally changed, you know. And I got so heavy insights by me, you know, dominating and, yeah, and getting how I was. Um, and also what that, that was in the way for collaboration and, and letting others be involved, dominating. Right. Sort of. So, yeah. so that kind of, of feedback and coaching, you have to sort of expose yourself to, um, yeah, to change. Yeah, and you mentioned that in in uh, Moose sits on the table that the examples of leaders who've not really made the cut when it comes to implementing these principles, one feature of those people who fail is that they're not coachable, right? They're not willing to be coached and to change. Yeah. No, they might think they are, but in the end, they can't let go of the control, uh, the control or, and, and trust. Um, and also may, they might be in love with, with the traditional role, which is a lot about me and the hero manager. And, yeah. and they, they, it's a lot of, of gain in that. Yeah. Reminds me, I don't know if you're aware of uh, Medium, you know, the, 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 the blogging platform, right? And they yeah. took up Holacracy mm-hmm. and they eventually gave up with Holacracy. And one of the reasons they cited was because for certain people, they found that they couldn't attract, the t- I'm sort of paraphrasing, but they couldn't attract the talent because people wanted that tr- like traditional boss role yeah. or director role. And they just couldn't hire certain people because they couldn't give them that role. So they had to let go of Holacracy to some extent, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, we are still in the traditional paradigm a lot. And people are looking for positions and power and all that. And I think also when we recruit managers, we we talk about the soft skills and listening and involving, but we don't hire them on that in the end. Right. Yes. Yeah. We'll have them as values of the wall, but we don't necessarily hire on that basis. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and another example. I don't know if you've come across Matt Black Systems in Brighton in the in the UK. They're, they've taken self managing principles, and one of their great salespeople they had to let go when they moved to this way of working because uh, you know he was used to, to being the sales director, and right when yeah. it became completely flat and people and you know everybody had some aspect of selling in their role. He no longer had the team. He wasn't there. Wasn't anybody, and they even though he was great. They had to, you had to go, you know. You, exactly. You have to be yeah. Another thing I've noticed um, is how important it is that the people involved in self-managing organizations are are doing what they want to do, sort of, that they are doing their thing uh, and they love their work, sort of, or the work task. Uh, and uh, I, we had a, a call center in, you know, uh, we bought a call center and transformed it to be self-managed. And it was so obvious that it was important that people really liked the actual work. And, and and that was not the case, especially here in Sweden, where safety and security is much more valued than than having, a, you know, doing an interesting work. So people end up in the wrong place work-wise a lot. And, right, and, right. and and that works in hierarchies, but not so much uh, in in self managing teams. Yeah, that, I remember that as a powerful sort of story in the book. Like you, you can, yeah, if people are not really into their role, then maybe in some ways it's preferable to have a more of a hierarchical organization where you're putting external motivators out in front of them, you know, carrots and sticks, and you sort of that's the way to get people in action. Yeah, and if the people are not intrinsically motivated to to be in that environment and to work in that way, then you take that away, and yeah, exactly. And it's also revealing that people sometimes don't know how to do their work, uh, and the people have thought they could that they were competent for ages, no? Because 
working like this in self-managing ways, that is sort of very, uh, you, you find out <laughs> everything about what's not working uh, with people and with routines and with everything. So it's very sort of, yeah, revealing. That's yeah, that's fascinating. So the, the, the same guy, Julian Wilson from MapMapLex Systems is saying, yeah, that once they start moving in this way, that all of the people who'd been not pulling their weight for years suddenly become exposed, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that's, um, yeah, I guess that can be tough for people, but it, it, yeah. It, uh, when yeah, you're in, the, in, in the long end, it, it, in the end, it's a, a blessing to sort of not having to pretend, not having to do what you're not sort of, aimed for sort of right order. right yeah yeah there's a there's a place in the world that's going to be better suited right yes i have many examples of that actually yes yes um yeah um so let's just come back a little bit to the training so you said you, you talked about you know the, the people who don't quite you know make it they can't quite let go uh, what are some of the things that you kind of you look we've talked about listening but what are some of the things you look to kind of amplify and bring out and bring on in leaders who, who want to take on uh, leading in this way or um, managing in this way? Yeah, it's it's a lot about listening, of course, but it's also not uh, adding so much. I mean, we talk knowledgeable managers here uh, with expertise. And to, to have this uh, team's capacity being unleashed, which is the whole thing, is to not bringing anything you you need to facilitate instead of adding and sending and putting in all the time um yeah so and and that's really hard because you feel useless when you're not adding so much you feel you feel unnecessary right and and, and that's, that's really that, yeah. confronting yeah and that's what you're dealing a lot with when you're working with leaders is is them facing that and processing it and finding ways to deal with exactly. it. Exactly. And and some of them are amazed by the engagement and the capacity and competence that arise when they step back. Yeah. But it's yeah. also painful because, and I have experienced that myself. I was CEO in one company uh, for a year, for eight months, uh, and, and they became self-managed and the, the results were amazing there in financial results you know and people came running and made articles and and uh, radio programs about it and those people in the company they sort of forgot that I was there because that's that's part of it you know when they think they did it themselves they forgot that I was involved at yeah. all because you're so unnecessary in the end mm. which is so painful you know when you hear that radio show your ego is like oh no so, so it yeah. it's, it takes a lot from from uh, from managers to to stand that to cope with that. Right. Yeah. I th I'm trying to recall that Lao Tzu quote. What is it? The the, yeah. the the bad leader is hated. The good leader is revealed, and the great leader is he of whom the people say uh, exactly. we did it ourselves. Right. Yeah. 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 And uh, that sounds so good in theory, but it's very painful. Right. Right. Um, the other, the other angle of this, I wonder just from my own experience is when is, I don't know if this resonates for you, but the, the premise of this, this way of working and, and managing is that every human being is, is, is unique and, and brilliant and alive with potential that just is, you know, just waiting to be unleashed, right? You've got to kind of relate to every individual in that way, but you know, the way that our brain chemistry work at the mirror night, in order for me to have a listening or a perception of, of you carried on this call, right, as being this brilliant, illuminating presence and, and a found wonderful leader, yeah. at some level, I've got to believe that's true of me. And, yeah. you know, in my own work, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of this sort of process is about me owning that for myself such that I can, you know, be it and sort of see it in others, right? Exactly. I think you're talking about this really, strong principle that uh, is like relating to people's potential sort of and when you hear that you think you should believe in that anyone can do anything you know everybody can be the rock star or like a brain surgery or surgery 
whatever surgeon. Uh, but that's not the, the meaning of it. Uh, relating to potential is also to, to speak honestly about non-capacity or non-competence uh, and confront people with, I don't think you're fit for this job, you know. I can't see how you're going to have this work, but not as a judgmental um, uh, way of talking to them, but uh, straightforward. And, and so it's not like, oh, I believe in this person's capacity, but I see it's useless, but I believe, you know, <laughs> it's not that. Uh, not like a false hope. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. Or pump people up with energy or something. No, no, no. It's really sort of saying straight uh, how you... How, what's there, you know, and then people can grow from there and they can realize I'm in the wrong place. I do the wrong stuff. I should do something else or, or maybe I take it on and, but it's my problem. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess you're in an adult, if you can, you can create the adult connection or they might challenge back and say, well, I think you're misperceiving, but, but you're into a, a straightforward, honest dialogue, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. And the, you know, I also start, started this um, work with uh, from another source with, with coaching unemployed people in the 90s uh, when we had a big recession in Sweden. So I, I really trained on people that seemed totally incapable and resigned and, and cynical about getting a job. And I was thinking that it was really important to hold them accountable for them and which was very a, a f very strange thought in Sweden back then because the state is responsible for works in Sweden you know you're not at all give me a job you know was the common thought about it then so it was very it was very provocative to hold people responsible for getting a job <laughs> uh, and being adult and capable but I could you, those years, I could see the power of relating to even, you know, really resigned and cynical and and uh, depressed people this way yeah. and see them take out their capacity. Yeah, well, I can see that's giving them their, their sovereignty, their power, their agency. You're, you're, you're kind of giving it to them, right? And, yeah. yeah, and when I, when I saw that happen with them, then I also got so confident in in this way of relating to to people at at workplaces yeah right uh well and presumably you found people who you know some presumably some of them at least would you know go on and be successful and find jobs mm, yes yeah yeah but uh, i can also see people shift attitude in a very short time and to right. be help, go from helpless and victims and and go like to really active and driving people yeah yeah and then again so and and that isn't about trying to pump them up and tell them that they're they're you know they're they're amazing beings it's it's about listening and just, and and giving them accountability i mean just just talk a little bit about that process it might be interesting yeah i you know, uh, we have this seminar called Stop Motivating Your Employees. Uh, so it, uh, to, to create engagement is really not to add, you know, inspiration, add motivation. And all managers are stuck in that question. How, how could I motivate? How could I? And, and it's like it's glued in their brains, that question. And that's totally the wrong question. It's like if there are a lack of motivation in a team, the, th the, the thing is to relate to people's capacity to, to take responsibility for being motivated by saying to them, it seems like we have a huge lack of motivation here without judging or making them wrong, but just stating my, my experience is that there's a lot of, of uh, or is a lack of, in, uh, of, of motivation. What do you say to that? Or what is your feeling about that? And talk about it and, you know, and unfold what's there, like lack of motivation, how, and, and then hold people accountable for creating 
the motivation they need to to function. Yeah. yeah. Which is completely different. Yeah. And then I maybe you get into asking like where where might you find motivation or yeah. what gives you motivation, right? Putting it back on them. And these weeks with the corona on its you know eleventh month or something, we get so many calls from our customers. That, oh, we need to you know cheer up everybody. Can you come and you know inspire? And we say no, <laughs> no, we can't. But we can come and talk to them so they can express how they are and and sort of you know take it from there. Right, right. That makes sense. Reminds me once of I got I got fired from a training gig once because uh, I said that to the woman who was running it, you know, we had a very low energy group. And I said to her, I'm not responsible for the energy of this group. It's not my responsibility it is what it is. <laughs> I literally was told to not come back the next day. Yes. Because she very much saw it as that my job, right? You're the guy at the front. You, you, it's exactly. all, you, you know, it's yeah. your job to motivate these guys. Yeah, get out the, the drugs, you know, <laughs> sort of. We want happy, happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a real case of sort of worldviews clashing. Yeah. Yeah, and that also shows how ingrained that is. Like, so when when we sometimes work with groups we what what they expect is like uh, painkillers or like uh, you know quick fixes and and you know um yeah something that is easy and you just take it and be happy you know and and we come with bad news we have to talk about how miserable everything is and and you know take it from there and 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 the fear then is but doesn't it get worse? We sort of drain, you know, yeah, you know, they don't at all approve of that solution because it's yeah. totally, you know, different from this fixing and, you know, pepping and uh, cheering up and, yeah, yeah. motivate. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating because we, we ran a, a round table recently and one of the questions we asked the group is, you know, how are the, how are the ways you feel that have felt vulnerable over this last period, right? And, you know, some people were um, sort of pretty um, balanced about it all, but some people got into, you know, some some sort of negative sentiment. And, and there was, you could just feel it. There were certain individuals in the group who just could not cope with the negativity <laughs> and they just wanted to, you know, bring the energy up, bring the, bring exactly. the positivity up. And yeah, it's so, as you say, it's so ingrained for some, yeah. some people and to it- feel that need. Exactly. And if you go to theories like yeah, the fire theory from Will Schutz, for instance, uh, and, and several others, everyone states that you have to go through the motions. You have to go through this, uh, you know, horrible feelings to, to come to the other side, which is an atmosphere of openness, uh, you, you being human, being accepting, being vulnerable, as you say. Uh, there's no shortcut to that. But yeah. very few end up in that beautiful uh, landscape, which which is much more fulfilling and satisfying, although it's challenging also sometimes because you have to be, you know, yourself and a lot of challenging stuff but so you, you put on this lid uh, i mean it, oh let's let's be happy let's do something fun you know we can't be with this uh horrible feeling that it takes to get into the other domain sort of, of openness right <clears throat> yeah and i've seen that over and over as as people struggle to make that shift to the coaching it, it's such a big element isn't it because if you start moving into that facilitator role you just open things up yeah inevitably you're going to have some members of the group who are just going to launch at you with a load of shit. And, and, and if you're in a position of authority and you, and you, and they perceive like the structure somehow as being, you know, implicated in their woes, likely they're going to direct it at you at some level. And so you exactly. be able to sort of, yeah, hold yeah. that. And I hear that a lot of that fear in, in managers often it's, you know, but oh, if we open that up, Richard, you know, I just, I'm just telling you, I'm ready to hear all the shit. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's yeah. part of the exactly. process. Yeah. That. So when we do process like like that, when it's a toxic climate or, or something uh, going on, uh, we sort of equip and train the managers to, to be okay with that. And also to coach them not to 
explain, take care, or you know, save uh, save everyone or or so uh, to to sort of cope with that process. Right, right, yeah, and and it's only um, but it's a transitional stage, right? Yeah, I mean, always you're going to have like different people coming into to spaces with different feelings, of course. But I do think there's a when you're opening up in a culture, there is some just some toxins that have to be released to begin with, right? As you say, to get to a different space. Yes, and and the great thing is that it doesn't take long to if you if you can be with it and let it be as it is then people will uh, i mean the people involved will take themselves from that stage to this constructive one and it don't it doesn't take long i mean it yeah. doesn't take ages but so few people have experienced that so they don't trust that that could happen yeah yes yes no that's that's right um, and then once you and yeah that that's as you said that's part of the environment you talked about the way you said it, it was partly it's about giving authority away but it's also creating this open environment and what we've just discussed there is is part of that creating that environment exactly yeah yeah um and when it comes to leadership is is there anything we else we've not touched on in terms of what you see as being common for for what leaders need to go through in their transition yeah, I mean, they have, I mean, leaders also need to be pioneers in being straightforward and give feedback, empowering feedback and so on. And, and that's also not so common that they have been trained to do that. Um, and, and it's not just being straightforward and give, they have to be uh, relating to capacity and they have to sort of change their mindset from the hierarchical mindset which we are all swimming in we are like you know a parent child at work although how well educated and senior we are as employees we end up in that hierarchy in that hierarchical dynamics and and especially here in Sweden where we think we don't have that because we think we're unhierarchical which we're not we're blind to that. Uh, and it takes so much of confrontation of seeing that and being able to be equal. Uh, because today in work life, people are, you know, equal in education and competence. And some and, and some are managers. But in a I mean in, in 150 years ago, that was not the case. People could not read and write. So that was accurate and to have this hierarchical uh, dynamic that uh, where somebody thought and the others did uh, or worked just did what they were told sort of and uh, so that that is the the biggest thing i think to to see the hierarchical dynamics and to be able to break it right right uh, yeah actively i guess that's the first step is yeah is 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 see it and then break it and notice is it partly noticing yourself when you're falling into those yeah and and uh, and there's so much denial of that uh, because we're so modern and we we're so team based and we're so agile and we're so this and this you know and on the same time is this hierarchical dynamic going on everywhere yeah yeah well i you know and, and i say this as somebody who's guilty to some extent from the sort of agile camp is like how often do you have this sort of agile pushing, you know, there, this is the way, you know, it's exactly the same uh, dynamic, just, you know, we say it's agile or, or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And and one more thing, when we train managers, for instance, in this way of being and relating, they, they think this is not leadership because it's so uh, different from what they're used to. And they're so different from what they think is leadership. And that's because we have this, you know, hero manager and yeah, concept engraved. Yeah, I, rem I remember getting quite uh, triggered by that feedback from somebody once I was working with a client and I'd done a lot of work to bring teams together to um, into these open space style events where we would collectively solve different problems and, and, and people would self-select into different you know, huddles to, to work on various aspects and remember getting some feedback from one of the guys I was working with, you know, Richard, you know, I just, 
um, you know, what you're, you're, you're really good at these communications events. And I was like, ah, this isn't about comms. Not that comms yeah. isn't important, not that communication is important. But I'm, I mean, I'm creating, you know, enabling spaces for people to step into their own agency and leadership. <laughs> and you're telling me I'm, I'm good at, good at comms. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I had to kind of get yeah. over myself, but you know, I, I, what I'm picking up on is that people don't relate to this as leadership. As you say, it's something, it's the soft stuff that the HR people do or something, isn't it? Exactly. And, and it feels so awkward to listen and just, you know, ask questions and, and uh, have focus on the group, uh, and, and yeah, and not yourself and what you're saying. I mean, this sending stuff that they've been talking and uh, talking, talking. People have so much faith in their words that they should make a difference. And if I just inform them on 27 PowerPoints, then it will happen, you know. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. Reminds me again, we've talked about Joster Block before, but uh, another story shared uh, on, on the podcast was you know, in his early days of setting up Burtzorg, he was talking to some nurses and he had... Uh, this idea that they should have a balanced scorecard for each team. And, you know, he's doing his flip chart and he's talking to the nurses about this balanced scorecard that he thinks yeah. that they should all adopt. And one of the nurses is like, why do we need this? Like, what, what's this? What, what is, and he, he kind of caught himself like doing that thing of projecting, like, here's the thing you should take on. Yeah, exactly. And, and never, you know, uh, listen, where, where do my, my word, where do they land? How 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 do people you know relate to them or react yeah. to them? That's like yeah. But I also find that sometimes I've I've had I've had the experience where even when I've tried to hold back, yeah, um, when I've been in leadership position and, and, and hold back on directing, people yeah. have said no no no, Richard, give us some direction. Like mm-hmm. you, we're not paying you just to we want some we want to be told. And like yeah, I've sometimes found that I've had to sort of play some kind of game where I give like enough direction to get something yeah. going and then always be trying to pull away, always be trying to pull back. Um, yeah. But you're touching something interesting there because it's not just to, if you just step back, it could be also abdicating, right. you know. Yeah. And if it's not, if people are not there and, and involved and, and know they have authority or the prerequisites are there, that won't work, you know, just yes. to step back. Uh, so, so it's not that either. And, and many people think that I, oh, I, I just go away and, and wish them good luck, you know. <laughs> and it's not yeah. at all. So it's hearing the sort of what's going on here, uh, you know. It's so much more active, but in a passive way, <laughs> sort of. Right, yeah. It's a kind of a, yeah, like a dance almost, isn't it? Like yeah, feeling into what's needed i mean again but so we're talking about like it's needing culture like what's needed yeah like, what's needed in the group what are the emergent needs of this group and then exactly, abdicating yeah. is not listening to those needs and not responding to them right um, not at all. Yeah. yeah so but yeah. the leadership might be just part of is it articulate so what i'm sensing here there's an emerging need for x like yeah. how why how might we fulfill x mm-hmm. like how might you fulfill it like something like that less about you know exactly is, and as you say, there could be a big demand for, you know, traditional leadership and directions. And so it's really hard to, to resist that. Yeah. That's, that's what's asked for. And, and then you have to sort of also engage people in what work, what, what kind of uh, fashion you should work in sort of and bring up. It feels like, it seems like you, you know, have an expectation of me being, you know, the big boss and give you all instructions. And that's not going to happen, you know, because that's not what I want. And I see something else, but then you have to talk about it and see what's in it for them to do it in another. Yeah. So it's a lot of, of conversations to have, to have it work. If that's the case, if it's a big demand of traditional leadership. Yeah, no, but I'm also seeing that getting even from this conversation that it sounds to me like even I in my own leadership could be a little bit more bold sometimes in like, because I sometimes see it as, okay, well, I'll compromise a bit, like to get things moving to, and then over time, like work this environment to a better place. But maybe I could even be more bold as you're suggesting in some of these situations and be like, 
I, I'm just going to, I'm exactly, yeah, I'm going to say no to that. Right. But I'm yeah. going to say no in a way that engages you and, and as you do it, like work a bit more at the edge. Exactly. And that's the difference between being and saying, you know, if you are an empowering and relating to potential and don't have an agenda and you, you have your sort of being uh, together or, or in place, then you can be so, oh, that's a really shitty, uh, you know, alternative. I don't at all prove that you can say and be really outspoken. But if you're like in a like hierarchical dynamic and use your power, then it won't work. Right. So yeah. It's so much people are sense me. whether you're yeah. trying to, um, whether, yeah, the place you're coming at from, right? Exactly. The, the, uh, the way you're being, really. Uh, yeah determines how how it gets received yes and yes. if it's empowering or not yeah um what's that quote you know the, the, the quality of any intervention is a uh, direct portion to the internal condition of the intervener right the, yeah is it bill chapman or whatever yeah 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 no that, that makes a lot of sense you know and constantly coming back to who am i being yeah how am i relating and how am i relating to this person right like yeah yeah Exactly. All that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wonderful. You know, we're coming up, up to the hour here. Is there, is there anything, you know, we've missed anything you want to sort of share that we may have not touched on? I think we said very, I mean, the crucial things really. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. Well, again, if people are more interested, you know, we want to take another look. This is a very easy read. It's full of stories. Uh, moose heads on the table as well as um you know you sum up some of the concepts uh, very elegantly and, and i know that you you and lisa wrote this you know together it sounds like a great partnership with the stories and then the yeah. more of the abstractions you know perhaps from lisa so it's it's uh it's it's a great book easy read inspiring and and you're really open about the failures which i love mm. uh, <clears throat> so there's the book and then there's the tough leadership training for, for yeah, tough leadership managers training. out there who want to yeah. uh, you can check that out. And we have also, you know, webinars called Stop Motivating Your Employees that are really sort of. <laughs> Love it. Uh, good. All right. Well, thanks, Karen, once again. It's been wonderful to speak. We'll put all those links below. Uh, yeah. yeah. And thank you. Thank you very much. The Being Human podcast was brought to you by First Human. For more on First Human's human-focused coaching and leadership programs, head to firsthuman.com.